The following sermon is presented by Maranatha Bible Church of Comstock Park, Michigan. For more information, go to mbcmi.org. Well, good evening. Welcome to uh, Maranatha Bible Church, uh, our Good Friday service. As you know, we are not able to do our soup supper as we usually do, as we've done the last two years and years previous. Um, so that's, uh, that's unfortunate, but we still want to uh, celebrate... Um, the crucifixion of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I got a text from a couple people today that they were actually doing a soup at home today. So I know it's uh, Bob Schneckenberger's birthday and uh, Harold Klukowski texted me. So um, we're, we're going to go ahead and do the service anyways. We still want to uh, remember our Lord and Savior today and celebrate the crucifixion. And I know that uh, when some people here are going to celebrate the crucifixion, that can sound... I'm strange to some people, uh, to unbelievers specifically. But that's what we're going to do today because the crucifixion is the greatest act of compassion uh, that our Lord ever, ever exhibited. And that's the, the title of the message today is Compassion at the Cross. And we're going to be looking at the book of Luke, chapter 23, verses 33 through 49. And, and seeing this compassion. You know, very seldom do lost individuals think of the crucifixion as something that was compassionate. They just don't think that way. I, I remember when I was in California, I remember this unbeliever, this um, individual that I knew, he had written something on social media. He was driving down uh, the 210 freeway and he saw a billboard and on the billboard it said love held Jesus to the cross this was around Easter time and on his social media post he was you know he was mocking this and saying various things and when he talked about that statement he said oh really love held Jesus to the cross because I thought six inch spikes through the wrists nailed through the wrists of Jesus by burly Roman soldiers, held Jesus to the cross. That's what I thought held Jesus to the cross. You see, and he, he was mocking uh, this idea that the cross was an act of compassion, that this was God actually doing this. You see, the unbelieving world, they see Jesus as a victim. They see Jesus as someone who was betrayed, who was, you know, things were going good at first in his ministry, and then somehow things took a, a, a wrong turn. And he was, you know, things went bad for him. He was murdered by the Romans. And they, they say he, he could have, if he is who he said he, he was, he would have come down from the cross. Because you see, they're thinking of it from uh, a worldly mindset. They're thinking of man's interests rather than God's when it comes to this. And we see a similar incident in the Bible, in the book of Mark, with the, even the apostles. In Mark chapter 8, around verses 31 through 33, I believe, we see the apostles and Jesus walking up to Caesarea Philippi. And when they're on their, they're on their way there, and there's, it's a pretty long walk, and as they're walking, Jesus says to them, Who do the people say that I am? Well, they say, some people say, you're John the Baptist, risen from the dead. Others say, you're Elijah, 
or one of the other prophets. And he says, okay, but who do you say that I am? And Peter quickly pipes up. He's a representative for the 12. And he pipes up and he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, you know, Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who's in heaven has revealed this to you. Blessed are you. And then Jesus goes on to explain that since what you said is true, Peter, because it is true, he, he was the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God, and since that's true, then here's what must happen to me. I must suffer. I must be rejected and killed as the Messiah. But Peter, when he hears this, he, he rebukes Jesus. And he says, may this never be, Lord. Because you see, Peter has... A worldly mindset. He's thinking of man's interests. He didn't understand what had to take place here. And so he rebukes Jesus. And Jesus, in turn, rebukes Peter and says, Get behind me, Satan. You see, Peter didn't understand that this had to take place if the human race was to have any hope of reconciliation. Jesus Christ had to die on the cross. This was an awesome act of compassion. You see, us as believers, we understand this because we've been born again. We've been regenerated. We've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. We understand this, that the only way for the human race to be reconciled to a holy God was for Jesus to go to the cross and die. We see it as an awesome act of compassion. So as we come to celebrate Good Friday, we need to remember that this event that took place 2,000 years, uh, years ago on Calvary wasn't the, the one time in human history where the human race was able to pull one over on God, where they, they surprised God and thought, whoa, I, I didn't see that one coming. No. This, we see this event as an act of compassion that was actually planned by God. It was his sovereign plan all along. Jesus did this voluntarily. What an act of compassion. And from our text this evening, from Luke chapter 23, verses 33 through 49, we're going to look at this compassion through the three statements that Jesus makes here when he's on the cross. So that with the hopes that this will give us a greater appreciation for what he did a remembrance of his wonderful love for each one of us and his compassion as we prepare for Sunday for resurrection. We want to remember the crucifixion. We don't want to move too quickly past what happened on Calvary there. So from these statements, we'll see the compassion in the prayer that Jesus sends to the Father. He prays, he says, Father, forgive them. And we'll see the compassion in that in verse 34 through 39. And then we'll see the compassion that Jesus extends to this thief who's on the cross. He says, today you will be with me in paradise. And finally, we'll close out by looking at the compassion, the completion of the compassion. In other words, we'll see that Jesus fulfills it. He goes through the whole thing. He goes all the way through and finishes what was started. So that's where we're headed today as we celebrate the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to read Luke chapter 23, verses 33 through 49, and then I'll come back and I'll pray, 
and we'll dig into this text. So Luke chapter 23, beginning with verse 33. When they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right and the other on the left. But Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots, dividing up his garments among themselves. And the people stood by looking on, and even the rulers were sneering at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if this is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up to him, offering him sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Now there was also an inscription above him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged there was hurling abuse at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other answered and rebuking him said, Do you not even fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed are suffering justly, for we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly I say to you, today you shall be with me in paradise. It was about the sixth hour, and darkness fell over the whole land until the ninth hour, because the sun was obscured, and the veil of the temple was torn in two. And Jesus, crying out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now when the centurion saw what had happened, he began praising God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. And all the crowds who came together for this spectacle, when they observed what had happened, began to return, beating their, best, their breasts. And all his acquaintances and the women who accompanied him from Galilee were standing at a distance, seeing these things. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, as we read this text, we're reminded of, of what was done at the cross of Calvary. We're reminded of your compassion for us, your love, and how much you went through for us. We're reminded of our, our sinful condition and how much we need you. Father, I pray that we would not move too quickly past the cross. We desire a resurrection Sunday. We desire to celebrate the resurrection, but Father, help us not to, re, not to forget the price that was paid for us at Calvary. And that, that this was not done compulsory, but this was done because voluntarily by Christ. Thank you so much for this. Now as we go to this text, Father, help us to just learn from this, to be doers of your word, and, and to remember this great compassion that's exhibited here at the cross. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. Now, as we look at this text, the first act of compassion that we see here in these words of Jesus is this prayer for compassion. We look at verse 34, and Jesus says, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. So who's he talking to here? What's, what's going on here? What, what's the, the context of this whole statement? Well, we have to think about who Jesus is seeing here as he's at the cross. 
You know, we've got him, he's hanging on this cross and he's looking down, he's seeing these soldiers mocking him. He, he looks up and he sees these, this crowd of people mocking him, these passers-by, and then he looks to the left and to the right and he sees these criminals. This is the context. He looks down, he sees these soldiers mocking him. The text tells us in verse 36, they're saying to him, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. You see, and it makes sense that these soldiers would be using this statement, if you are the king of the Jews, because if we go back to when he was being scourged, after Pilate sentenced him, or just before Pilate sentenced him to die, he was being scourged by these soldiers. And we see in Matthew 27, 28 through 30, that these men were mocking him horribly when he was being scourged. And the text says in Matthew 27, 28 through 30. This is what they were doing to him. They stripped him and they put a scarlet robe on him and twisted together a crown of thorns. They put it on his head and a reed in his hand and they knelt down before him and mocked him saying, Hail, King of the Jews. You see, these soldiers dressed him up with a purple robe. They stripped him down, put this purple robe on him, put a crown of thorns on him, pushed it down into his head gave him this, this rod, and then they knelt down before him. Hail, King of the Jews! No doubt they were laughing, joking, having a, a good old time, mocking him. And then the text says in verse 30, they spat on him and took the reed and began to beat him on the head. After they had mocked him, they took the scarlet robe off of him and put his own garment back on him and led him away to crucify him. So this is what Jesus is seeing. He's seeing these men at his feet essentially gambling for his clothing. He's laying there, he's, he's hanging there naked, by the way. He's naked. He's beaten within an inch of his life. He can't even recognize him as a man. How humiliating. And he sees these soldiers mocking him, saying, if you are the king of the Jews, and you can see how this mockery went all the way back to when they were scourging him. So that's who he sees at his feet. And then he looks up and he sees this crowd. This crowd of people mocking him, yelling at him, hurling abuse at him. This visceral, hateful speech. The text tells us this in verse 35. And the people stood by, looking on. And even the rulers were sneering at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if this is the Christ of God, his chosen one. So this crowd is, is mocking him. And there's also people just, just passing by. There's people who are, are going to work. They don't have time to sit and, and watch this. They're, they're not concerned. They sh for, sh most assuredly, they know what's going on, but they, they really don't have time for this. They, they don't want to think about this. They've got to get to work. They've got to do that. And that they're walking by. And the text tells us in Matthew 27, 39 through 40 that these individuals were even hurling abuse at him. It tells us this. And those passing by were hurling abuse at him, wagging their heads and saying, you who are going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself if you are the Son of God. Come down from the cross. So even these people who don't really have much care of what's going on, are hurling abuse at him. 
There's no compassion from the crowd. They're sneering. They're condescending. They're sarcastic. They're, it says they're wagging their heads. Think of that. You can almost see them wagging their heads and saying hateful words, just distorting their faces at him as he hangs there on the cross. No love, no empathy for him at all. And the statement, if you come down from, or come down from the cross, if you are the Son of God, even if he would come down from the cross, they wouldn't have believed. They had no thought that this perhaps was the Messiah, not at all. So this statement, come down from the cross if you are the Messiah, even that's just mockery on top of mockery. So he looks down, he sees these soldiers who were mocking him. And he looks up and he sees this crowd, this hateful crowd yelling at him and mocking him. The passers-by are doing the same. And then he looks from side to side and he sees these two criminals who are in the same boat, mocking him, cursing him, hurling abuse at him. Now some would say, well, verse 39 says, one of the criminals who were hanged there was hurling abuse at him, saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. That's true. That's what the text says. But if we go back to Matthew, verse 27, 44, it tells us, the robbers who had been crucified with him were also insulting him with the same words. So at some point, both of these criminals were hurling abuse at him, were cursing him. Both of them. So everybody, this is the situation Jesus is in, hanging on the cross, nearly dead. And he has all these this hateful, visceral, Things going on around him with no empathy, no love. It's all hate. And this is when he says, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they do, what they're doing. That's who he's talking to when he says these things. These individuals who are mocking him. And you know, if we were there, if you or I were there, we would have been right there with the crowd mocking him. Let's not think that we would say, well, I wouldn't have been one of those individuals. We would have. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. We were children of wrath, just like the rest. We would have been doing the same thing. And Jesus extends that forgiveness. Father, forgive them. They do not know what they do, what they're doing. He's calling down forgiveness from the Father. He's praying for forgiveness. That's a, a wonderful act of compassion. So as we celebrate Good Friday, remember the compassion of Jesus Christ in this prayer to the Father. But then also remember the compassion of Christ being extended to this criminal. We see in verse 40 through 43, one of the criminals, he cries out to Jesus for salvation. And Jesus responds by saying, Truly I say to you, today you shall be with me in paradise. Now notice the irony here. Notice the irony. Jesus saves this criminal while being mocked because he doesn't save himself. But it's only because he didn't save himself that he could save this criminal. And it's only because he didn't save himself that he could save any in the crowd who would come to him. It's only because he didn't save himself that he could save you and that he could save me. Praise God for that. That's compassion. 
And, and remember, just moments before this, as we said, one of these criminals, both of these criminals were mocking him. Both of them were, just moments before. But something happened. Something happened to one of them. Because look at verses 40 through 42 in, in 23. It says, but the other answered. You see, he's speaking here because both of them were, were mocking him at one point. And then all of a sudden, just one of them is mocking him. And then it says here, but the other answered and rebuking him said, do you not even fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed are suffering justly, for we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. This man had been changed. In a moment, he'd been changed from an enemy of God to a friend of God. His heart had been transformed. He repented and he turned to Christ. We see the repentance in his, his words here. He's repenting. He sees himself as justly under God's wrath. He deserves what he's getting. He recognizes the holiness of God and his dreadful state before God. And this drove him to ask Christ for forgiveness. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now, no doubt, the words of Christ in that prayer, Father, forgive them, for they know, do not know what they're doing. No doubt, those words got to him. He heard those words, and something began to ha happen. And he repented, and he trusted in Christ. He said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And how does Christ respond? Does he pour more judgment upon this man? No. He responds with grace, with compassion, beloved. He extends compassion to this broken, repentant sinner. So, we see the compassion of Christ in this call for the Father to extend forgiveness to the lost, to the, those who were rebuking him. He calls for forgiveness. And then we see compassion in him extending compassion to this criminal. And then finally, we see the compassion here in Jesus following through with the work of the cross. We see the, the completion of compassion, as it were. He follows through with the work of the cross. In verse 46, And Jesus, crying out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. So as, as noon approached on the cross, the ridicule of men began to fall to the background. And the full wrath of God began to be poured out on Christ for those three hours. Verse 44, the text says, It was now about the sixth hour, and darkness fell over the whole land until the ninth hour, because the sun was obscured and the veil of the temple was torn in two. For three hours, God's wrath was poured on Christ. The darkness of hell descended on Jerusalem. And the wrath of God was poured on him while he hung on the cross. You see, all that other, those other things that took place, the beating, the whipping, the ridicule, those were horrible things and those had to be done. 
But that wasn't it. There was more to it. The wrath of God had to be poured on Christ. And for those three hours, it was. He drank it all. The text says, the, the scripture says he, he drank it to the dregs. He took all of God's wrath upon his shoulders. The atonement required that. It required Christ to finish the work completely. And praise God that he did. Praise God that he finished it completely, or we would have no hope whatsoever. You know, John 19, we see that Jesus, as he's on the cross, at the end he bows his head, and what does he say? He says, it is finished. The work of salvation was finished. Praise God that we can come to him. Praise God that he showed this wonderful compassion on the cross. Now, you look at the effect of this. Ultimately, look at what this effect had on those who were previously mocking him, those who were previously ridiculing him. The text says in verses 47 through 48, Now, when the centurion saw what had happened, he began praising God, saying, Certainly, this man was innocent. And all the crowds who came together for this spectacle, when they observed what had happened, began to return, beating their breasts. They were greatly affected by the compassion of Christ. They were greatly affected by it. And we're told in Romans 2.4 that the kindness of the Lord does what? It leads us to repentance. They were greatly affected. Friends, this was a magnificent expression of God's compassion. And this is what we celebrate today. Do we celebrate the crucifixion? Yes, because it was an expression of God's compassion. It was God's sovereignly planned this out. Jesus voluntarily went to the cross. Was it horrible? Was it hard? Yes. But it had to be done. And praise God that it was done. So as we anticipate the celebration of the resurrection this Sunday. As I said, let's not move too, too quickly past what happened at the cross, past this, this wonderful act of compassion by our Lord and Savior. Jesus did this for us, and be reminded of how compassionate he truly was. We see his compassion in this text when he prays for compassion from the Father. Father, forgive them. We see his compassion being extended to this thief. And he says, today, you will be with me in paradise. And then we see his com the completion of his compassion, that he, he fulfills it, he, goes, he finishes it, he goes to the end. He doesn't cut it short. He finishes it all the way. He says, into thy hands... I commit my spirit. Let's remember that as we celebrate Good Friday today and as we prepare our hearts for Resurrection Sunday. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we are just reminded of your compassion. We're reminded of your, uh, your great work that you did for us on the cross. And I pray that none of us today would take that for granted that we would be reminded of this and that we would not take it lightly. 
Father, we love you. We're so grateful that you did this for us. Help us to remember the sin that is so heavy upon us that nailed you to the cross. And help us to rejoice that you did this for us. We love you. We're so grateful for your mercy that's bestowed upon us and your grace. We thank you for Maranatha Bible Church and we just pray that you would bring us back together again soon. Be with us now, Lord, as we, as we leave here. Help us to continue um, just meditating on these truths as we uh, get ready for Sunday morning and, and celebrate the resurrection. It's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you for uh, being here for the Good Friday service. Uh, we, as I said, it's a little bit of a shorter message. We, we'd like to keep our Good Friday message about 20, 25 minutes. So have a wonderful evening. God bless. You've been listening to a sermon presented at Maranatha Bible Church in Comstock Park, Michigan, where we exist to display God's glory, declare God's truth, delight in God's Son, and disciple God's people. No part of this digital file may be reproduced or distributed without prior written consent. For permission, go to mbcmi.org.